portion of the Lord's Prayer. And uh, if you guys would just welcome her to stage, that would be great. <laughs> thank you, thank you. To all my friends and fans out there. <laughs> Once again, it is really a privilege to come and be able to, just to bring forth God's word. You know, there's things that God puts in us, and sometimes we have outlets to release those things, and sometimes we don't. And so I look at this, this is an outlet that God has provided for me to release just a a portion of what he's put in me, and so maybe it will ignite with um, some of your hearts today. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Lord, just for, for who you are, Lord, for your great name, I just, I thank you so much that you've given us the privilege, Lord, to know you, Lord, that you've made yourself so readily available for us to know you. And I thank you for this series on the Lord's Prayer as we begin to have more of an understanding of just the importance of, of what this prayer means. And so, Father, I just ask that you would use me today to release what you've put in me to share, Lord, just another perspective from your word, Lord, of, of why this prayer is so important. So, Father, just open up our hearts to hear what it is that you would have to say, and, and Lord, just open up my mouth, Lord, to speak your words. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, before I get started on what my session is, mine this week we're on Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. Um, I'm just going to go through a little bit of a background. I'm not going to, you know, reiterate every single thing that's been taught over the last few weeks, but I think it's important to know where we're building from when we're getting ready to, to ask God to give us this day. The, I believe the greatest prayer that we can pray is the Lord's Prayer. There's just so much to this prayer, and, and as you've seen through, over the last few weeks, we've started to unpack just some of that, some of these things that we may not have ever thought about having prayed. Most of us probably learned this prayer when we were kids. You know, we've, we've memorized it. Um, I grew up Catholic, so that was, you know, one of our standard prayers in, in our church, and, you know, I never really paid attention or really understood what it was that I was praying. You know, I just, I learned a prayer. I recited it from, you know, rote memory, and and that was it. But there's just so much, and it's just such a, a privilege to to be able to pray this. And the fact being that Jesus is the one that taught us to pray like this. You know, it was Jesus that, that said, when you pray, pray like this. And I find it interesting, too, in the Luke account of the Lord's Prayer, the disciples asked Jesus, you know, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. Have you ever wondered how, what John taught his disciples about praying? Because it doesn't tell us that. It just says, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And so this is the prayer that Jesus lays forth. So when it's a prayer that Jesus is saying, pray like this, I think we need to take heed and, and pay attention. Um, all true prayer is breathed in the first place because God's the one that put it in our brains to pray to him. In Romans 11.36, says, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. So it was God who initiates it in our hearts to ask, then God grants it, and then God returns it back to him for his glory. So to not be able to pray, to me, would be the greatest tragedy. It's, it's just one of the most powerful weapons 
and resources that we have as children of God to be able to pray. God designed prayer initially or in the first place to, to be with you, to be with us. That's the whole purpose that he designed prayer for, so that he could be with us. He could have relationship with us. He could have communion with us. When we pray, it's a, you know, we've talked before, it's a, a dialogue. It's not a monologue. We're, we're praying and we're conversing. We're, we're asking, we're, we're speaking, we're declaring, but we're also listening to what it is that God would have to say. And all eternal prayers to God take place in the spirit. And God is spirit. John 4, 24 tells us that. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So when we pray this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, with understanding, it truly is a prayer that is in God's will. I mean, how many of us, you don't have to raise your hands, have prayed prayers and we you know, we think that we're really doing well, praying what we're praying and asking what we're asking. And then at the very end, just to kind of clarify it for ourselves, we will say, you know, if it be your will, Lord, you know. And, and I think we really mean that from our hearts. We, we pray these things that we want, but then we kind of attach on if it's your will. Because we know that, you know, the bottom line is we know that if it's not God's will, then, you know, it's, it's not going to do any good anyway. But most of us, well, I'll speak for myself. I know a lot of times when I pray... I'm praying the things that I want to see. I want, I want it to be, I want God to bless what my will is. I want to ask him for things, and, and I'm not just talking about material things, but I'm talking, you know, I want to bring my petitions to him, but I want him to bless it according to my will. And so um, I think that if we can get a hold of some of the things that we've talked about prior to today, the, the letting go of our will, that this is truly a prayer that is praying in God's will. There's, there's different prayers that we pray. We pray prayers of desperation, you know, oh, God, help me. And, you know, we might be in a crisis and we're crying out, you know, and those are, those are very valid prayers. Uh, you know, that's not to d- dismiss any of those kinds of prayers. But we have prayers that are prayers of desperation. We have prayers that are prayers of devotion, which is more like um, the Lord's Prayer. They're prayers that are drawing us closer to God. We have prayers of intercession where we're doing spiritual warfare and, and fighting those demonic forces. Um, we have meditation prayers, like David prayed throughout the Psalms, where we're just entreating God to make his ways known to us. And then there's contemplative prayers. And I think those are the, that to me is what the ultimate goal is in our prayer life. Those are the kind of prayers where we just lose ourselves in, in our time with God, where we could be praying for what seems like it was only 10 or 15 minutes and we look at the clock and it's been an hour and a half. You know, those are the, those are the kind of prayers where we're really just, you know, con- contemplating who God is and, and giving back to him. So there's all kinds of prayers that we can pray. Um, so we need to make sure that our, our hearts are where they need to be when we're coming to God. When we started our prayer, we started with our Father who art in heaven. And just in that intro alone, we recognize that we have been brought into the household of faith. He's our father. And we talked about that being the the corporate our father. But it's more than just that. He's not just our father. He's my father. In my family, I had five brothers and sisters growing up. And Jim Harrison was our father. But Jim Harrison was my father. He was my daddy. And my relationship with him was totally different than what my brothers and sisters' relationships. So it becomes very personal when we, when we recognize that, that yes, it is a corporate our father. He is, we are 
all children of God and he is our father. But more than that, when we grab a hold that he is my father, he is your father, then it just makes it so much more personal. In John 20, 17, this is when Jesus is talking to Mary Magdalene after, she has, after he has risen from the, from the tomb and, and she's there at the tomb and is not sure what's going on. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. So now all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but the, the realization now that Mary Magdalene is now recognized as a child of God. He said, go, you have not, I've not yet descended, go to my father and your father. And so that all of a sudden it became so personal to Mary that this was her father. So there is, there's, there's something dynamic when we can grab a hold of that, our father in heaven, making it not just corporate, but personal. The who art in heaven, that's the indicator of his position as the almighty God, the authority. Hallowed be your name. We talked about um, a little bit too, but we're going to, we're going to kind of camp out today on hallowing be, hallowed be thy name and give us this day our daily bread, which is where, the, where we are in the, in the Lord's Prayer today. But we, so we'll talk a little bit more in detail in just a little bit, but we need to understand God's name. We need to understand who he is. If we're going to be praying and asking God, we need to know who it is that we're praying and asking. And then First um, Samuel 12.22 for the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Now, John Piper, in his book, Pleasures of God, kind of um, summarized this verse by, to him is by saying that God takes great delight in putting his name at stake in our destiny. I mean, that's pretty powerful. He's working with us to bring us to the place that he is wanting us to be, for the destiny that he has called us to. So it pleased God to make you. It was he was willing to put his name at stake for our purpose and our destiny. So we are the very image of the one who sent us. You are the very image of the one who sent you. So that's why also the third commandment is so important too. Thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. And we think of that when we're thinking of taking God's name in vain. I think sometimes we just think mainly on, on using God's name with profanity. You know, and that, that is part of it. That is part of taking God's name in vain. But there's other ways that we can take his name in vain. There's, there's ways that we can, I, I call it pulling the God card. Where, and I know you've known people who have done this where no matter what, they'll say, you know, well, God told me. You know, and whether they're asking you for advice or whatever it is or whether you're sharing something with them, it's, well, God told me this. And it's like how... How can you argue when somebody says that? Because, you know, God does speak to us, and I don't know what he has told, you know, somebody. And, you know, I mean, I know things that he shared with me. So we just, we just need to be careful, especially when we're, like, if we're releasing a word or if we're speaking encouragement over somebody to say, well, God said, da-da-da-da-da. Because God is truth. He is the only one in this world that is truth. He is all truth. There is no lies to be found in him at all. So if we're going to use his name attached to God said or God told me, then we better be really sure that God said it because God doesn't lie. And so that's another way that we can, you know, I believe that we can take his name in vain. So there's just his, 
his name is very powerful. It's part of his authority. It's part of who he is. So Jesus was teaching us that we need to just pause and we need to revere God's name in our hearts. We need to meditate on how holy and how pure his name is. We need to treat his name with such honor that it becomes branded in our minds and embedded in our lifestyles. Because Jesus knew that if we hallowed or if we revered his name, God's name in this way, that people would see the spirit of the living God resting on our lives. Then Tracy spoke on um, your kingdom come. That was a dynamic message that she had on, on God's kingdom coming to earth. And, and the kingdom of God, I don't know if you realize this, those of you that you know, are familiar with your Bibles and have read through the, the Gospels, the kingdom of God is mentioned over 100 times in just the Gospels. So that's what Jesus' message was. He was coming to release the kingdom of God here on earth. And he was releasing the kingdom of God through us. We, got to be, we get to be part of that. We get to be part of what he's doing. We, um, we see power demonstrations between God and lesser evil powers. And Tracy also mentioned that when heaven was open, that it never closed. And that is still true today. The, the portals or the doors, the gates of heaven are open. So when we say, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're in essence saying, Keep the portals, keep the heavens open so that the will of God can happen unencumbered in my life. So thy will be done. That was what Andy was speaking on. Um, We're giving up our right to be right. And as Andy said it last week, God, you can do anything you want. And we sometimes we say that flippantly, you know, come and have your way, Lord. But when we truly mean that, God's going to come and have his way, and it's not going to look like what we think it's going to look like. You know, we talked about the last week the, about the box, the box that we've made for God, the box that we've put God in. And when Andy was sharing that, I was thinking about the, um, the cardboard boat races um, that we do here in Lakeland. It, they, may have been already, they may have already happened. It's usually sometime in the beginning of September. Um, but for those of you that are, aren't familiar, a lot of the schools participate. It's a community activity where you, you get... I think it's an hour, maybe an hour and a half. I don't remember this, the um, details, but you get all the materials. You get duct tape, and you get cardboard, and you have that time frame to make a boat. And then they have the races where they take off on Lake Hollingsworth. And it's just it's comical because most of the boats don't make it. Most of the boats sink immediately. Every once in a while, you'll find these people that have been studying the cardboard boat racing for you know, the whole year, and so they've got this dynamic boat, you know, like Todd could probably make a good boat. I don't know if he's ever done the cardboard boat racing, but it's, you know, you have those that make it, but that's, that's kind of like how it is when we try to box God in, when we try to, to make God somebody he's not, when we try to put him in our box, more times than not, we're going to sink. You know, we're just going to go right down. So <clears throat> the first part of the prayer, the first part of the prayer we're going to, we identify the source, and we identify the authority, thank you, as the source. So now we can go to the source who has the authority to grant our request. So by this admission and recognition of his authority, we can come boldly to the Father, and we can ask him to display or to make his name known to us. So that brings us to give us this day. Excuse me just a minute. 
I'm kind of recovering from laryngitis this week, and so I feel fine, but my throat's still going to be a little bit scratchy the more I talk. So give us this day, this submitting of our souls, as we talked about last week, this giving up our will, giving up our right to be right, needs to happen daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23, says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So if God brings us new mercies every morning, then we have new petitions or new ways that we come to him. It has to be a daily thing. And how awesome is that, that we have new mercies every morning, that we don't have to live in yesterday's mistakes, you know, the, 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 the trials. And, you know, we might still have some of those things that, that flow into day-to-day, but we don't have to live in the, the defeats that we had the day before. We have God's mercies that are new every morning. So to better understand this, peti- this petition of give us this day, we need to understand the name of God who provides all that we need. Jehovah Hire, or some of you probably grew up hearing it, Jehovah Jireh. It was a song that we used to sing. Um, I was told, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I was told that it's pronounced Hire. But anyway, so God's names, his acts, and his glory are all inseparable. He's, he's the same that he's always been. He's immutable. He does not change. If he were to change, then the, he, he wouldn't be deity. Because if he changed, then there would be something new that he could know, which would mean that he wasn't all-knowing, that he wasn't omniscient. So he is the same, never changing. So this is important for us to realize when we're bringing this petition to him, because when we call on the name of God or when we hallow his name, we're calling or we're hallowing the composite of every possible name of God. He cannot be Jehovah Jireh and the God who does not provide. He cannot be Jehovah Rapha and the God who does not heal. He cannot be Jehovah Ahava and the God who does not love. He cannot be Jehovah Shalom and the God who does not bring peace. He cannot be Jehovah Roi and the God who does not see you. So it's important to recognize who he is when we're hallowing his name. A couple weeks ago, we sang um, one of the older vineyard songs, Holy Love. Um, And in that song, we sang... When I find you, I find healing. And when I find you, I find peace. So when we find you, Jehovah Rapha, we find healing. When we find you, Jehovah Shalom, we find peace. So Abraham recognized Jehovah Hire as the Lord who provides. When God provided the ram in the thicket, as he was getting ready, right at the moment that he was getting ready to sacrifice Isaac out of obedience, in Genesis twenty two fourteen, we see, And Adam called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So he knew who Jehovah Hidre was. He knew who the God was that was going to provide. And when I, when, I read that, when I used to read that story growing up, I would read that thinking, well, you know, he probably didn't really believe that God was going to do that. You know, he probably, you know, almost like going through the motions, you know, waiting for God to, but that's, that's not, where his, that's not where the attitude of his heart was. He truly was going to follow through to the end of what God asked him to do until the Lord stepped in and provided. 
He didn't know that there was going to be a ram hiding there in the thicket. So God, the Lord who does provide, Jehovah Hidre. And then another, um, we're going to take another look at the Israelites through their journey um, as they headed out through the, or as they were, as they left Egypt and headed out into the desert. For years, even prior to that, the, God's people, the Israelites, had many different ways that they looked for their provision every day. Some of them had their own means of crops that they had, and, and so they could make bread and food from the crops that they had growing in their own land. Some had meat from the livestock that they had. But even when they were enslaved in Egypt, they still daily looked to their Egyptian slave masters for their daily needs. They looked, they knew that somebody was going to provide, and at that point they were under, under the submission of the Egyptians. So now they're no longer slaves. God's moved them out, but their real freedom is not going to occur by just relocating. It does, it's not just a physical or an external relocation is going to touch what their real need is. It's going to require an internal renovation of their heart for them to experience true freedom. And it's the same with us. It takes that internal renovation of our hearts in order to experience the true freedom. That's why there's still so many people bound. They might change their circumstances. They might change things up, but if the change doesn't come from within our hearts, we're not going to truly know freedom. So for the Israelites, the only place they could look up, or the only place they could look, was up. Exodus 16:4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them, whether or not they walk, or whether they will walk in my law or not. So the purpose for him, not only for them providing food, was not only for their daily needs of, of nourishment, but it says that he was going to test them whether or not they would walk in his laws. I wonder, or will we follow his instructions to get our provision met instead of trying to figure out everything on our own? I know I don't always. I have my own agenda sometimes, and, or I have things that I'm already comfortable with, so I don't have a need in that area for God. Excuse me again. So our daily bread can also refer to everything non-spiritual that we must have in order to live and to cope. It includes our physical needs, our emotional needs, our material needs, etc. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're asking God to step in to not only give us food and not only give us shelter, but to give us clothing, to supply our financial needs, to give us emotional strength, and to give us clarity of mind, to give us friends, to give us fellowship, transportation, equip us for our jobs, our future, to help us get done everything that we need for this day, everything that is essential to our well-being. And it also keeps us free from greed if we are praying with a true heart because we're praying, give us this day, this day what we need. You know, don't give me a store up for the next month because that's what happened with the Israelites. They thought, well, they could just gather up. They could store up more. And then some of you, you know, know the story. If not, go back and, and look at that in, in um, Exodus. But when they did gather up more, 
than what they were supposed to, it rotted and it was putrid. And so their obedience was being tested because God asked them to just take a certain portion. Now, on Fridays, they had to take a double portion to allow for the Sabbath because they were not going to collect on the, sa- on the Sabbath. So this one sentence petition, it's the only sentence, it's the only petition in the whole Lord's Prayer, just this one sentence where we're asking for provision. And it's, we're asking basically for everything that is essential to our whole our whole being as a man, our body, our soul, and our spirit. That's what we're asking for when we say, give us this day our daily bread. And it's no accident that Jesus used bread to describe our needs. God's word is compared to bread all throughout the scripture. Jesus is the bread of life. So, I mean, I, I, I used to, when all these diets were coming out, the new fads, we had the keto and the whole 30 and the paleo and I used to say, well, I could never do paleo because they don't eat bread, and Jesus is the bread of life, so I'm not going to, Jesus could not have ever done paleo diet, so, you know, but I mean, we say that flippantly, but there's so many references to bread in the scriptures, and I'm not trying to make an argument that, you know, okay, eat bread, because I know there's all kinds of things in our foods today, but I'm just saying that that was the symbol that God chose to use to describe what our needs would be. Bread is a necessity. You know, through the scriptures, bread was a necessity. In the original languages of the Bible, bread is mentioned at least 492 times. That's a lot of times to use the reference of bread. And, and there's so many different ways that it was, it was used. It was used as, you know, as actual nourishment, as the word of God, as Jesus being the bread of life. So in biblical times, one of the very first things that a child would hear in the morning was the mother grinding wheat to make bread. Today, your kids might hear the coffee grinder grinding beans to make coffee, or you might smell coffee. But the, the sound of the millstone, the sound of the grinding to make the bread was a common, a common sound that children grew up with because they would, usually the women of the house would start very, very early before the sun came up starting this process of making bread. It was made fresh every day, and it was eaten every day. The Bible says when you no longer hear the grinding of wheat for making bread, that it's a sound of desolation. And so when you, when you look at that, looking at um, Jeremiah 25.10, says, Moreover, I will take from them the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones, and the light of the lamp. And in Revelation 18.22, the sound of harpist, Musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. So when you no longer hear the grinding of the wheat to make bread, that was a sound, that was the, the sign of desolation. Deuteronomy 24.6, I don't think this one's going to be up on your screen. Um, no man shall take the lower or the upper millstone in pledge, for he takes one's living in pledge. The, the making of bread for each person was so important. It was such a big deal that you were not allowed to take somebody's millstone as a, as a loan or an offer and pledge. Because if you did, that would mean that you were taking away their livelihood. You were taking away their sustenance for life. That's how important it was. That's how important daily bread was in the, 
the biblical times. It's still important today, but that's, that was what that whole analogy of the bread and why it was so valued. So when Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day, that means give us the sustenance from God's word because Jesus is the bread of life. God's word is bread. It's what sustains us. It's what we need. And our need for it will never go away. When we don't partake of God's word, we will feel starved in the deep places of our hearts. Chuck and I were talking about this this morning, a video clip that he was listening to that um, was talking about um, people that have gone, gone through years and years and years of needing inner healing and needing inner healing for the same issues. And it's not to dismiss that any of these issues aren't valid because they are, but a lot of, these to- a lot of the times the people are missing what the, what the answer is right in front of them. And I'm not, I'm not trying to discount medication. That's not what my point is in all this. But we need to be in the word of God. We need God's word to, to daily be in our lives. That's what's going to, and it may be a battle that we face our whole life. It may be that thorn in the flesh that we carry all through our lives. But we need a spiritual answer for a lot of the things that we go through in our life. We need that to be one of the, or the thing that we look to first, rather than trying to, once again, box in a cultural response to a situation. So, in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, all of these things that God's referring to, that Jesus is referring to here, or is the the needs of provision, the clothes that we need, the food that we need. Those are all of these things. But there's a, a mandate. But, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added unto you. So when we're coming to, to God to, for what it is that we need and we're asking him to provide, we also need to seek him first. We need to seek his kingdom first, his righteousness. So Jehovah Hidre, the Lord will provide. God's name represents something that humankind can never be. We can only taste the essence of God's name. We don't have within ourselves the divine qualities that his name represents. So unless the God of peace dwells in us, we can't truly know peace. Unless the God of love dwells in us, We can't truly love. So we have to have the essence of God in us. We need all of his names, his acts, his glory to reside within us so that we can release what he's put in us. John 17, 6, Jesus says when he's praying for his disciples, I have manifested your name to the men who you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept their word. So Jesus was saying, you know, God, I have manifested the God of peace, Jehovah Shalom, to my disciples. I have manifested healing, Jehovah Rapha, to them. He manifested provision, Jehovah Hireh. All of those, those things who God was, he manifested his name to the men that he had given them. He had manifested all of the attributes of God to the world. 
his names. Our perspective is always going to be limited to what our current moment in time is. It's like driving in a, an extreme fog or a torrential downpour where you can only see what's right ahead. Sometimes you can't even see that far. You just pray that, that there's, you know, you're going in the right direction. And especially in the last couple weeks or throughout the summer, we experience that a lot here in Florida, driving through torrential downpours. So our, our perspective is only going to be what's right here in front of us. But we don't know, because we don't know what's standing in tomorrow, but God, Jehovah Hire, the Lord who provides, he sees what was, he sees what is, and he sees what will be. So God sees things in our story. God sees things in your story. What we don't know, God does. So let's take a chance. Let's give up our right to be right. Let's, call, let's lay down our will. Thy will be done, Lord. Not mine, but your will be done. And call on the name Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Hire. Give us this day our daily bread. And once again, I want to reiterate just real quickly, because I have a few minutes. Um, I just think it's, I, I get excited when I find tidbits of truth in God's word, when you read something that you've read over and over and over again, and all of a sudden it kind of brings to light and um, and talking about his names, thinking back um, a few, this has been a few weeks ago when we were doing um, communion and the different, the come to the table. And I believe it was Tracy that spoke on covenants and talking about the, the covenants of, of God. And, and the reason why covenants were so important and so standard, I mean, if a covenant was made, it was not broken, was because that's how God valued his name. I mean, when we put, when, the, when a covenant was made, you know, in God's name unto the Lord, then it was extremely important. And there's a, a passage, um, this is not going to be on your screen, I'm just going to kind of recap some of this. In Joshua 9, <clears throat> Joshua makes a treaty with the Gibeonites. And I encourage you guys to, to read this, um, the two passages that I'm going to tell you, because it's really fascinating. In Joshua 9, and what happens was Israel had been commanded to destroy all the people in Canaan, you know, to just to destroy all of it. And this was after they had already had some battles. They had won the victory at Ai and some other places. So they were supposed to destroy everybody in Canaan. Well, the Gibeonites were in that near vicinity. That would have been, you know, part of where they were from. So they got a little worried that they were going to be wiped out too. And so they wanted to join with the Israelites, but they were afraid that they would be wiped out because of the command to destroy them. So what they did was they disguised themselves. Some of the, some of the um, people of Gibeon disguised themselves and went to Joshua, and they put on, like, tattered clothes. They brought spoiled bread. They made it look like they had journeyed a long time, like they had come from a faraway land so that they wouldn't be considered part of the people of Canaan. That, so they deceived. They came under deception um, to Joshua, asking for, uh, they wanted him to make a covenant with them. He, they say, this is in verse 11, therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us saying, take provisions for you for this long journey and go meet with them and say, we are your servants now, therefore make a covenant with us. And so Joshua's leaders, without inquiring of the Lord, and that's why this is important because how covenants work, they didn't inquire of God first, 
but they went ahead and they made a covenant with the Gibeonites. So now we fast forward to 2 Samuel 21. So they spared the Gibeonites. They allowed the Gibeonites to survive and so forth. So now we're, we're in um, 2 Samuel 21, and I, I don't know how many years that's been from Joshua because King Saul has already come through. And at the place where we are in chapter 21, David wants to avenge the Gibeonites because they're going through this famine. David and his and they're in that area are going through a famine. For three years, they've been going through this famine, year after year. So finally, David inquired of the Lord. It's like, why are we going through this famine? What is going on? And God tells him that it's because of what Saul did by wiping out the Gibeonites. Because when he wiped out the Gibeonites, he broke that covenant. Even though that covenant was not made, with, with God's permission, it was made, and so it was sealed. And Saul broke that covenant by wiping out the Gibeonites. So he tells David to go to the Gibeonite king and ask what he, whatever he wishes. So the Gibeonite king, he goes to the Gibeonite king to avenge the Gibeonites. You know, what can we do? What, you know, how can we make this right? And the Gibeonite king asks for seven sons of Saul or seven descendants of Saul. Well, it's just interesting, and I'm not going to get into all of that, but David was at one time married to Michael, who was one of Saul's daughters, but she was barren. God had kept her womb closed. And it's just interesting because this is kind of like reading between the lines, but in theory, she could have produced a a son in her marriage to David, but God kept her womb closed. So David could have legitimately had to sacrifice one of his own children at this point because of this covenant. So he didn't because we know that Michael was barren. So, and, and also Mehibosheth, who was Jonathan's son, was spared because David had made a covenant with Jonathan and had made a covenant with Mehibosheth that he would save his life. So he would have been one. But, so it's just, it's just interesting that these covenants, they're, they're important because they have God's name attached to them. So when we go through this, our Father, who art in heaven, my Father, my Daddy, who made me, who put everything of himself in me to be released, that comes with all authority from heaven, hallowed be your name. How awesome is your name, God, that all of the composites of who you are, you release through us. So as we go to prayer Today, I want you to, to think about that. Um, some of you may not know the name Jehovah Jireh. You may be in desperate need of the Lord to provide. You may be in desperate need for the Lord to heal. You may need Jeho- a touch from Jehovah Rapha. You may need peace in your life. You may not know Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. So there's different areas where we lack because we we don't know. We've missed out. And like, you know, Andy has said before when we pray, you know, sometimes it's real easy to stand up here and say, you just, you need God, you need Jesus. And you do, we do. But when our frame of reference is so tainted and so obstructed by outside forces and, and where we haven't had that displayed in our lives, it's hard. You know, I imagine that right now the Bahamian people are having a hard time just saying, well, you know, Jehovah Hira, he will provide, and he will. But when you're in that place, sometimes you can't see. You can't see past, like, being in that dense fog. So I want to go to the Lord in prayer right now. And as I close, 
And if there's any of you, after I close, if, if there's a need in your life where you need to, you say, yeah, I want to know. I want to know that aspect of God deeper. I want to know all the aspects of God, but I need Jehovah Hire to touch me right now. I need Jehovah Rapha to speak to me right now. The up front will be open for prayer, or you can grab somebody that you know and pray with them, ask them to pray with you. But don't lose sight of who God is and what he wants to do in each of your lives. And as you pray this prayer, I'm hoping that since we started this series, most of you, I'm sure, even beyond before we started this, but do this prayer. Pray this prayer every day. And as we have, as we kind of um, unroll, un- unpack some of these different aspects week to week, pray it again with that understanding, with that knowledge. And I can guarantee you that if you do that for a month, you will be different. You will have a different perspective on God. You will have a different perspective in your own heart for the things of God. And you, you'll know God a little bit deeper because if we're truly praying this prayer from our hearts, from God, for God's will, from God's will, then you know his, his word is not going to return void. He promises us that. He's not going to ignore our pleas. So pray with me now. Father, I just want to thank you so much, Lord, for revealing who you are to us. And Lord, that we get to know every little intricate, well, not every little, but we we have the ability to learn about every little intricate detail of who you are. You say that your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are not our thoughts, but you've opened up yourself to us that we can get to know a little bit more of your ways. We can get to know a little bit more of why you do the things that you do and, and how that implicates us and how that benefits us. So, Father, I just pray that as we look at this, give us this day our daily bread. Father, give us all that we need for today, all of the provisional things that we need, our basic needs of life. But, Father, more than that, give us the bread of life, Jesus. Give us more of who Jesus is in our lives every day. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So once again, if if anybody would like prayer, we'll be up here. Any questions or anything like that, just we're going to linger for a little bit. If you have kids, I think you need to pick them up. It's like this, and you really, you really put before us this challenge that says, who am I? And then we try to come up with an answer. And sometimes it's highly logical, sometimes it's highly experiential. And then you probably ask again, okay, but who am I? And so, Father... I just want to ask for forgiveness, for boxing you in. In my own life, when I look at situations that are too big, I box you in and say, God, 
you couldn't be in this. In my own life, where there's doubt and even denial, would you come and forgive me? In our church body, where we have made you too small, where we haven't cast vision big enough, would you forgive us? We want to see transformation start in our own hearts and then permeate into the community. So, Father, where we have made you too small, would you come and open up our eyes and would you forgive us for that? You are a big God who desires to do big things. And I love that you use small individuals to do the stuff that you want to do. God, I pray for a release of freedom in us, not just in this hour and a quarter, but in all 168 hours of our lives. That, Father, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray that you would take every box and that you would destroy it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.